Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. I'm Micah Chopoli. Okay, here we are. It's August. July is done. We're into a a new month. <clears throat> the dog days. They call these the dog days. What do they call these the dog days? Because it's so hot, like dogs in the heat. I don't know. I don't know why exactly they call it dog days. But these are the dog days. They use that term, especially in, in baseball, for July and August. They'll say the dog days of summer, the dog days. I guess that means you're getting to the point where it's so hot and you've been playing baseball for three or four months, day in, day out. Now you have to deal with the heat and humidity and you have to get through this. So I guess that's why they use it for baseball. But I think we can use dog days uh, for another uh, reason, another example. Uh, And that is the dog days of politics, the dog days of the campaign. These are really the dog days of the the primary, right? Because this time next year we'll be into the dog days of the general election. There'll be a there'll be nominees. The <clears throat> the conventions will either be happening or have just passed. Usually, what the conventions are July, August. Um, so we'll be in the dog days of the general election. But right now we're in the dog days of the of the uh, primary, and things aren't going very well for uh, Mr. Trump. I'll be formal, like the New York Times. Mr. Trump, look, and I've said this before. There comes a time when someone really has to start taking this stuff seriously, right? Well, you can't just slough it off to being like, you know, uh, political enemies doing you in, bastardization of justice, you know, weaponization of the Department of Justice, frivolousness, frivolous charges. And we've talked a little bit about all of those things for the past, well, on this show for the past couple of years. But it gets to the point where sometimes you have to start taking things seriously, right? And I wonder if there's any person very close to Donald Trump. I understand he's probably not the kind of person you can have a heart-to-heart with, but let's say... I wonder if there's anyone next to him or near him or close to him who says, uh, Mr. Trump, Donald, you need to start taking this stuff seriously. You could end up in jail. You could spend the last years of your life in jail. Some would consider you a successful businessman for many years, then president for four years. You can end up being 80 years old. 81 years old, 82 years old, and being in jail for the rest of your life. Now, the Trumpers, the Trump cult, will say, oh, he's never going to, and not just them, a lot of people will say, oh, Trump is never going to end up in jail. It's not going to happen. Well, but give me the facts behind that. Who? What judge? Is the judge in New York who's not going to put him in jail? Is it the judge in Washington, D.C. who's not going to put him in jail? What judge is going to say, oh, no, you convicted of, you know, 26 felonies that give 400 years in jail, but we're going to let you live out your last days in Mar-a-Lago on the beach. What judge is going to do that? So when people say things like, oh, 
presidents never go to jail. Yeah, not yet. What's the saying? There's a first time for everything. And if there's going to be a first time, it's going to be Don John Trump. It's going to be Don John Trump. And he needs to start taking this stuff seriously. You're tired of talking about Trump, Daniel. What do you want to talk about? What about the Yankees? You don't even like sports. I could talk about the Yankees if you want me to. I could talk about the, how they're managed, how poorly they're managed. But who wants to hear about that? Well, you're tired of hearing about Trump. He's running for president and he was just indicted for the third fucking time. Something we've never seen in the history of the United States of America. It's a big deal. Yeah, sports ball. You want to talk about sports ball. No, I want to talk about hardball politics. What was that? Who did that show, Hardball? Oh, Chris Matthews, that blowhard on MSNBC, Hardball. More like softball, tennis ball. This is Hardball, right here. This is Hardball. But at some point, I would wish someone would start telling this guy, Don, you're going to go to jail for life. Put your efforts into this. Be a fucking normal person for a while and put your efforts into staying out of jail, whatever it may be, whether that looks like taking on these charges head on and defeating them, in other words, not guilty in a court of law, whether it's going that route or by plea bargaining and just saying, look, I'm not going to run again. I'm 80 fucking years old. I'm not going to run again. So I'll stay out of jail. Something. But these are very <laughs> – did anyone read these charges now, the ones that were just handed down earlier today? Indictment number three, number three, as we'd say in New York, Brooklyn. The third indictment, this one having to do with um, uh, January 6th, with January 6th, and – the incitement to riot and so on and so forth. So I did something I usually don't do. Well, I didn't do this. I, I Googled indictment, right? And the New York Times takes me to this annotated site where they go through the indictments because it's 45 pages and I'm not a lawyer. And you know how it is, the indictment, the introduction, all this stuff. I'm not going to read all that stuff. We'll all fall asleep. But they do some little... Notes, cliff notes, times things, kind of things. Uh, and this is uh, someone named, uh, this is written by Charlie Savage and Adam Goldman. And they say, this is, a, this is from Charlie Savage. Unlike the charges against former President Donald J. Trump over his hoarding of secret national security documents, which will be tried before a jury pool drawn from around Palm Beach County in Florida, the January 6th indictment was returned by a grand jury in the District of Columbia because registered Democrats are more common in the nation's capital. Jurors may, on average, be less politically sympathetic to Mr. Trump. So the three indictments, the, the, the documents is Florida, right? Palm Beach County, let's say, as a Trump jury. Right? Now, the, the, remember the first one, the Stormy Daniels thing, that's New York. That is not a Trump-friendly jury. And this is Washington, D.C., which is probably the least uh, Trump-friendly <clears throat> jury. But these charges are much more serious than the Stormy Daniels thing from that jerk, Alvin Bragg. 
So these are very serious, serious, serious things, which will put him in jail for the rest of his life if he's convicted. And once again, you're talking about a D.C. jury and a D.C. judge. So I want someone with common sense to tell me what D.C. jury is likely to side with Trump over the over the United States of America. And if they don't and Trump loses, what judge, what D.C. judge, after a D.C. jury convicts him on charges so severe is going to say, well, no, you're a former president, so you don't got to go to jail. Come on now. They're going to put him in jail. If he's convicted of these charges that were handed down earlier today, he goes to jail and is for the rest of his life. He dies in jail. So someone near him. We've gone through this a million times. There's no way this, this guy is winning a general election. There's no way this country is going to elect this guy. There's no way the middle, the independents, the suburban women are going to elect this guy in November of 2024. It's not going to happen. If you're a Trump cultist, it is a pipe dream. Drink the Kool-Aid and go to sleep. It's not going to happen. So he needs to because he's not going to win again. In other words, he's not going to become president of these United States again. He's not going to stay out of jail that way. Someone needs to talk to him and say, look, you need to take this seriously. But you can't be taking this, making this a joke out of this and going and doing a rally and making fun of the prosecution. You can't be doing this. You can't be you can't be spending 10 percent of your time on this and 90 percent of your time fucking around in Dairy Queen buying blizzards for people. But you don't know what blizzards are. You need to take this seriously. Anyone, any one of us, if this happened to us, that's it. There's no more working, right? There's no more going to ball games. There's no more going to movies. There's no more watching TV. You got to put all your energy into defeating this, right? You have to put all your energy into defeating this and staying out of jail. I'm sorry, regardless of what you think about these indictments and these charges, they are real. They are real indictments. They are real charges. A D.C. jury is real and a D.C. judge is real and they will really put him in jail for the rest of his life. Someone next to him has to say, Donald, drop out of this fucking race and concentrate on saving your life. Is there no one near him that will say that? I don't even like him, and I'm getting passionate. If I were his friend or his lawyer, I would say that to him. Cut the shit. This isn't a game. This isn't a game. And if it's a fucking witch hunt, you got to defeat it. These aren't fake charges. This isn't a movie. Charlie Savage in the Times also goes on to say the indictment acknowledges that Mr. Trump had a First Amendment right to lie about the election and to file lawsuits challenging its results. It seeks to draw a clear line between those kinds of lawful efforts and the unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results that are the focus of the criminal case. So there are those on the, in the Trump side of this who say – This is all free speech, and they're attacking him. It's a political witch hunt. They wouldn't do this to anybody else. 
The defendant had a right, like every American, to speak publicly about the election and even to claim falsely that there had been outcome determinative fraud during the election that he had won. He was also entitled to formally challenge the results of the election through lawful and appropriate means, such as by seeking recounts or audits of the popular vote in states or filing lawsuits challenging the ballots and procedures. Instead, in many cases, the defendant did pursue these methods of contesting the election results. His efforts to change the outcome in any state through recounts, audits, or legal challenges were uniformly unsuccessful. So once again, they're making that um, contrast there, right? Between, yes, you can go through, you can scream and yell as much as you want. You could put your head out the window and say it was stolen from me. It was stolen. You can do rallies and say it was stolen. They stole it from us. You can go through all of the procedures and getting the recounts and all of that stuff and all the legal procedures. That stuff you can do. But there's stuff you cannot do. Let me go about next Charlie Savage thing. Let me see. Okay, there's some stuff highlighted I want to read for you. The purpose of the conspiracy was to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 election by using knowingly false claims of election fraud to obstruct the federal government function by which those results are collected, counted, and certified. The defendant enlisted co-conspirators to assist him in his criminal efforts to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election and retain power. Among these were a co-conspirator one, an attorney who was willing to spread knowingly false claims and pursue strategies that the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign attorneys would not. Co-conspirator two, an attorney who devised and attempted to implement a strategy to leverage the vice president's ceremonial role overseeing the certification proceeding to obstruct the certification of the presidential election. Co-conspirator three, an attorney whose unfounded claims of election fraud the defendant privately acknowledged to others sounded crazy. Nonetheless, the defendant embraced and publicly amplified co-conspirator three's disinformation. Co-conspirator four, a Justice Department official who worked on civil matters and who, with the defendant, attempted to use the Justice Department to open sham election crime investigations and influence state legislatures with knowingly false claims of election fraud. Co-conspirator five, an attorney who assisted in devising and attempting to implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification procedure. Co-conspirator six, a political consultant who helped implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceeding. So these are the things they've said are not legal. Not legal. A conviction on this charge would be punishable by up to five years in prison. The possibility of using this charge against Mr. Trump and his associates in connection with their effort to overturn the election results has long been part of the public discussion of the investigation. In March of 22, for example, a federal judge ruled that emails to and from John Eastman, a lawyer who advised Mr. Trump in the effort, likely involved that crime and so qualified for an exemption to attorney-client privilege. In his final report in December of 2022, the House committee that investigated the events that culminated in the January 6th riot recommended the Justice Department charge Mr. Trump with others with this offense. 
So that one's just five years alone. That one charge, right? What does he have? Seventy something charges total between this and the Daniels and the and the uh, Mar-a-Lago stuff. It's that just that one is five years possibly in jail. You have to remember something as as I go through all this, and I'll go through more of it. <laughs> There's so many charges, so even if a a jury decides uh, he's guilty of you know thirty percent of them, life in jail, they would have to find him not guilty of every single charge, every single charge, in all three cases for him to stay out of jail. And most likely for the rest of his life, if he was found guilty of several of these charges. This is not a joke. But there's something about Don Trump, which is like, everything's just a game, a joke, and it'll all be okay in the end. This is all just a game. I'll be elected president again. He doesn't even believe that. And this will all go away. It's almost like denial, right? People, people that are in denial, they say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's okay. Even though the co-conspirators remain unidentified, prosecutors provide information that aligns with a number of people central to the investigation by Mr. Smith. Of course, one is Giuliani, a lawyer for Mr. Trump who oversaw. That's, co- that's co-conspirator one. Uh, a lawyer for Mr. Trump who oversaw his attempts to claim the election was marred by widespread fraud. In a statement, Mr. Giuliani, Mr. Giuliani's lawyer acknowledged that it appears the mayor Giuliani is a co-conspirator one. Once again, an attorney who was willing to spread knowingly false claims and pursue strategies that the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign attorneys would not. Remember, this was like all a, this was like all a game to them. Right? This was like all the, the political drama game, like a soap opera. This was like fun to them, right? This was fun for Trump to put Giuliani on the case and all these sleazeballs. And it would, he thought that for many reasons, that he's president, that he's Donald John Trump, whatever it may be, that politics is a game, that it wouldn't matter, that the chickens would never come home to roost on any of this stuff. It almost as though... It was a scripted reality show, as though Trump was still living in that reality show world that he controlled. Of course, we know that wasn't the case. Subsequent parts of the indictment describe actions by this co-conspirator that correspond with those taken by Mr. Eastman, who advised Mr. Trump about a plan to use fake electors and Vice President Mike Pence to overturn Mr. Biden's victory. This is why Pence hates Trump so much. Came out with a comment today about basically Trump should never be president again, never deserves to be president again. Because, look, no matter what you think about Mike Pence, the guy is a straight shooter. I mean, he's Mr. Square. Mr. Square, right? Doesn't go anywhere without mother. A square guy, Mike Pence. And he was totally offended that Trump would use him like that and put him in the middle like that of something that was so at best sleazy and at worst, of course, totally illegal. 
criminal. And that's why Mike Pence hates Donald Trump. I believe they had their disagreements. All vice presidents and presidents have their disagreements. And I'm sure Trump is not the easiest person to get along with. And of course, you got Mike Pence who's a straight shooter square and Trump who's like this, you know, fucking sleazily playboy. So I'm sure they just, they didn't get along in many aspects. But he never thought Trump would do that to him, I'm sure. And that was kind of the final straw. That's why we heard things like Trump and Pence never spoke to him again after this, you know, and they went their separate ways and haven't spoken since because of this, really. Uh, subsequent parts of the indictment describe actions by this co-conspirator that correspond with those taken by Sidney Powell, an appellate lawyer from Texas who joined Mr. Trump's legal team. The indictment lays out five categories of action that identifies as the means by which Mr. Trump and his accused co-conspirators sought to subvert the election. While listed under the first count, conspiracy to defraud under the, for the United States, the same facts will later be invoked to support the other three charges that appear later in the indictment. The, dependent, the defendant and co-conspirators organized fraudulent slates of electors in seven targeted states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, all the swing states, and Wisconsin. Prosecutor said that Mr. Trump and his co-conspirators devised this. Yes, some of the fake electors, the indictment said, were tricked into participating in the scheme. Attempting to mimic the procedures that the legitimate electors were supposed to follow under the Constitution and the federal and state laws. This included causing the fraudulent electors to meet on the day appointed by federal law on which legitimate electors were to gather and cast their votes, cast fraudulent votes for the defendant, and sign certificates falsely representing that they were legitimate electors. Some fraudulent electors were tricked into participating based on the understanding that their votes would be used only if the defendant succeeded in outcome-determinative lawsuits within their state, which the defendant, of course, never did. In, in order to prove, let me get to that. Well, this is this goes even crazier, deeper. Prosecutors described a litany of people who countered Mr. Trump's false claims of election fraud, including the vice president, who said he saw no evidence of outcome determinative fraud. Senior Justice Department officials who said there was no evidence to support such allegations and senior White House lawyers who also reiterated the baselessness of Mr. Trump's statements. State legislators and officials, as well as the courts, systematically rejected every one of his lawsuits. The courts, prosecutors said, provided real-time notice that his allegations were meritless. The defendant knowingly no, the defendant's knowingly false statements were integral to his criminal plans to defeat the federal government function, obstruct the certification, and interfere with others' rights to vote and have their votes counted. He made these knowingly false claims throughout the post-election time period, including those below that he made immediately before the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. So, you know, as you read through this, 
you're realizing it's a lot more than just that one day, right? People are saying, oh, he had a rally. He didn't tell them to do that. They went in on their own accord. He never told them to do this and so on and so forth. He's not responsible for that. But what we're seeing here is that this goes a lot deeper than him just inciting a riot. This isn't him inciting a riot. This isn't what these charges are, really. Most of these charges are him trying to overturn a presidential election through these nefarious means, such as with these fake electors and such. So this goes so much deeper. The Trump cult will have you believe this is all about that one day, but it's not. It goes much deeper. This is all leading up to that one day. This is all, these are all the things he was doing behind the scenes for two months, right? From November 8th till January 6th. As you read this, you're realizing January 6th was just like the exclamation point, right? It was just the culmination of all of this. But most of these charges have nothing to do with that one day. It has to do with all the behind-the-scenes shenanigans that were going on for two months before that one day. Once again, the Trump cult, Fox News, they won't tell you this. They're trying to make it look like they're trying to convict him for inciting a riot, and it's all about January 6th. But as you read through this, there's nothing on this about January 6th. It's all about the stuff that led up to that day. And there's more. The outcome for Arizona, which has 11 electoral college votes, was really close. Biden prevailed by about like 10,000 votes or about three-tenths of a percent. Fox News made an early call in that state correctly designating Mr. Biden as the victor on election night, infuriating the Trump campaign and its supporters. Of course, that was a big state. The defendant in co-conspirator one asked the Arizona House Speaker to use the legislature to circumvent the process by which legitimate electors would be ascertained for Biden based on the popular vote and replace those electors with a new slate for the defendant. The Arizona House Speaker refused, responding that the suggestion was beyond anything he had ever heard or thought of as something within his authority or like uh, that was legal. That wasn't a crime. The, Arizona, the Speaker of the House was uh, Rusty Bowers, a conservative Republican, but he resisted Trump's attempts. He was later awarded the John F. Kennedy Profile and Courage Award for that action, which ended his political career. Last year, the state Republican Party censured him for his resistance, and he was overwhelmingly defeated in the primary election for state Senate. So <laughs> it's pretty obvious that they have all these people ready to testify against Donald Trump. All right, they're all going to testify against him and say, yes, he tried to do this. He tried to strong arm us into overturning the election. That's basically what a lot, all these people are going to say. Him and his co-conspirators were trying to strong arm us and force us to overturn the election, to basically say he won, not Biden, with fake electors. Guys, gals. He, she, they, them. This is very serious. This is incredibly serious. And the more you read through this, the more evidence they seem to have. This isn't just like 
Jack Smith saying it happened. This isn't just like Joe Biden saying this happened. You have all of these people who are ready to testify. Conservative Republicans, Trumpers, people who supported him in 2016 and 2020, who will come out and say before a court of law in Washington, D.C., that he did all this criminal activity. He's done. He's done. The jury in D.C. will convict him and he'll go to jail. The judge will put him in jail. I don't know what kind of a plea bargain he's going to. I don't know if him simply dropping out of the race would be enough for them. I probably doubt it. They have him. They've got him. Hook, line, and sinker. They can put Trump in jail. Are they going to drop everything everywhere just because he he drops out of a race that he'll probably end up losing anyway? I mean, he'll lose the primary or he'll definitely lose the general. So he's not going to become president again. So what's the bargaining power for him? They know that DeSantis can beat him. They know that he'll never win a general election. So I don't know. I don't know what's, it's not like he's a threat to them that way. So I don't think dropping out is going to be enough. I think he needs to drop out simply to concentrate and put all of his energy and money, which, by the way, we'll talk about that in a second, into staying out of jail. And maybe the only way is for him to win. But I don't know how he's going to win. To me, it looks like there's a much better chance than not that Trump is going to go to jail. Unless he dies of natural causes first. But other than that, he's going to go to jail. Unless he wins. And he's not going to win by putting in this half-assed effort into fighting this stuff while he still kind of runs for president doing rallies and going to Dairy Queen. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. He's not going to be able to spend half of his time in Iowa and New Hampshire and the other half of his time trying to defend himself, which is why I don't understand. As, as, as serious as these charges are, I could see if they weren't serious. I could see if they were misdemeanors. But as serious as these charges are, there's no one close to him. I mean, conspiracy to defraud the U.S., conspiracy to obstruct official proceeding, obstruction of official proceedings, conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. He's got to take this seriously. And the fact that there's no one close to him to say, dude, drop out and face this shows that he's such a horrible person that no one around him wants to do that. No one around him wants to do that because what? He'll fire them or bite their head off or whatever it may be. And usually if you're a good person, if you're a decent person, there's at least some people around you who you confide in, right? Who you know they can tell you the truth. This guy doesn't seem to have any of those people, which shows to his character.
come on, we all have someone like that, right? Who are going to say, look, you have to deal with this. You have to deal with this, this problem you have. You have to deal with this. People maybe who are drug addicts or alcoholics and they have someone in their life who says, look, that's it. You have to deal with this stuff. People do interventions. Does anyone do an intervention for this guy? Could you find seven or eight people to sit in a room and, and, and let him understand how serious this is? This is really bad stuff. Mr. Biden defeated Trump in Michigan more handily by about 150,000 votes. Last month, a prosecutor in Michigan charged 16 people in connection with the scheme there to recruit fake pro-Trump electors in another state case that overlaps with this indictment. So there's another. So there's a separate case in Michigan where 16 people have been charged in connection with this. Now, all those people don't want to go to jail. So six, all those people will testify against him to stay out of jail. The prosecution will have, it seems like hundreds of witnesses. What the hell is the defense going to have? Giuliani? Who, who are they going to have? So understand this. In Michigan, 16 people were charged in connection with this fake pro-Trump electors scheme. And we know they didn't do it on their own. So there's one right there. That's Michigan. So they've got people in Georgia who are going to testify against him. Arizona, let's say, yeah, Arizona, Michigan. The indictment extensively describes the call between Mr. Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, which Mr. Trump demanded that he find enough votes to overcome Mr. Biden's margin of victory. The call was recorded and later leaked. We all remember that call where he's like, find me the 50. Come on, just come on. Come on, Raffensperger. Just find me 15,000 votes. Mr. President, you don't, you don't have them. Well, come on, make them up. Do people think that's illegal? Trying to storm arm an official? You're the president of the United States, right? So people are going to be afraid of you, especially if you're Donald Trump. And you say, just find them, which means make them up. Lie. The Trump cult will say, oh, that's just a... Trump being Trump. It was just a Trump being Trump. Ha 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 ha. Mr. Giuliani, uh, let's go. This is a hearing that took place. Mr. Trump will likely be indicted, will soon be indicted again in Georgia, where Fannie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, has been leading an overlapping criminal investigation into some of the same events described in the section of the federal indictment. Mr. Biden won Georgia's 16 vote, electoral votes by about 12,000 votes, or about a quarter of a percentage point. So there's Georgia now, Arizona, Michigan, Georgia. This is all over the place. They have so much evidence. They have so many witnesses of his conspiracy to overturn the election. He's fried. He's gone. He's finished. Remember, they've been investigating this now for almost three years, right? This guy Smith is no joke. 
Now, the more you read this, the more you think, well, this is quite the conspiracy if it's not true. How do you find all these different people? They just come out of nowhere. Some of them are conservative Republicans who were Trump supporters. All of a sudden, they're in on this big conspiracy to destroy him as well. It's too far and wide. They say where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is smoke inhalation. This is a five alarm fire. So it now goes on to Wisconsin. Again, Biden defeated Trump by about a little over half a percentage point in the same stuff. Pennsylvania, same stuff. One state, after all those states we mentioned, all those swing states where he lost by a very small percentage, he tried the same thing. What he was doing is he was trying this in all of these states, hoping to get two or three of them to agree to it, and that would be enough to overturn. He didn't need one, two, three, four. He didn't need all six. He just needed maybe two or three of them to to fake this, the results, and that would have given him the election. But think of the mindset of someone not only who does that, but who thinks it's going to work. Look, Trump is a sick person. He's a very sick man. He's a sick man. This is what we see. I you know people like Daniel and others get upset. I keep hammering this cult thing. But this is what a, every cult leader is a sick individual, right? They're sick in the head, right? David Koresh was sick in the head. Jim Jones was sick in the head. Charles Manson was whacked out. But as whacked out as they are, they get a lot of people to follow them, right? They're totally, I mean, the ones who are really like Manson, who's obviously bat crap crazy, got a lot of people to follow him and do exactly what he said. So we're seeing the same thing with the cult, with the Trump cult that he finds and that's what cult leaders do. They find weak-minded people to follow them. And God knows there are millions of weak-minded people in this country. We saw 74 million of them in 2020 vote for him. And all the millions who have st stuck with him since then. They pray. As sick as these people are, they pray on the weakest people. And they get them on their side and they get them to carry out their dirty work the way Charles Manson got them to carry out murders in Hollywood, in the Hollywood Hills, as Jim Jones got them all to drink that Kool-Aid and die together, as David Koresh got them all to die together in that house, burned to death, get shot. This guy gets them to get him into power, to keep him in power. To send him money so he can defend himself. To go on Twitter and go after Ron DeSantis. This is the textbook definition of a cult. So this is one, you know. Ronna McDaniel, the chairman, chairwoman of the RNC, testified before the House January 6th committee about receiving a call from Mr. Trump, who then turned it over to his lawyer, John Eastman, to discuss such a plan. And the plan is basically 
important for the RNC to help defendants campaign gather electors in targeted states and falsely represented to her that such electors votes would be used only if ongoing litigation or the states changed the results in defendants favor. After the RNC chairwoman consulted the campaign and heard that work on gathering electors was underway, she called and reported the information to the defendant who responded approvingly. <laughs> The description of co-conspirator four in the indictment corresponds with the documented actions of Jeffrey Clark, then the acting assistant attorney general for the Justice Department's civil division, who plotted with Mr. Trump and sought to become acting attorney general. There's a different chapter with this that focuses on the on the Justice Department, and we go through this. Also, if you go on NewYorkTimes.com and look for the Google New York Times annotated indictment, and they'll go through all this stuff. The indictment turns to Mr. Trump's pressure campaign, pressure campaign on Pence leading up to end on the day of the January 6th riot. As the January 6th congressional certification proceedings approached, and other efforts to impair, obstruct, and defeat the federal government function failed, Trump sought to enlist Pence to use his ceremonial role at the certification to fraudulently alter the election results. So once again, as I'm saying, January 6th was the exclamation point on this. It wasn't the beginning or the be-all and end-all. It was the end of this. Trump tried all of this stuff that is depicted and described in the indictment for two months. It all failed. They all said, go fuck yourself. It didn't work, whatever it may be. It all failed. And then it all came down to January 6th and getting Pence to overturn the election. The defendant did this first by using knowingly false claims of election fraud to convince the VP to accept the defendant's fraudulent electors, reject legitimate electoral votes, or send legitimate electoral votes to state legislatures for review rather than just count them. When that failed, the defendant attempted to use a crowd of supporters that he had gathered in Washington, D.C. to pressure the VP to fraudulently alter the election results. On December 19, 2020, after cultivating widespread anger and resentment for weeks with his knowingly false claims of election fraud, the defendant urged his supporters to travel to Washington on the day of the certification procedure, tweeting, Big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. We'll be wild. I remember that one. Throughout late December, he repeatedly urged his supporters to come to Washington for January 6th. On December 23rd, the defendant retweeted a memo titled Operation Pence card, which falsely asserted the VP could, among other things, unilaterally disqualify legitimate electors from six targeted states. On the same day, co-conspirator two circulate a two-page memorandum outlining a plan for the VP to unlawfully declare defendant the certified winner of the presidential election. In the memorandum, co-conspirator two claimed that seven states had transmitted two slates of electors and proposed that the vice president announced that because of the ongoing dispute in the seven states, there are no electors that can be deemed validly appointed in those states. So we know what happened that day and how pissed off he was that, that, you know, Pence didn't do any of that. 
because Pence couldn't do any of that anyway. The indictment reveals for the first time that Mr. Smith's team has obtained contemporaneous notes Mr. Pence took recounting conversations with Mr. Trump. During the meeting, as reflected as the vice president's contemporaneous notes, the defendant made knowingly false claims of election fraud, including, bottom line, we won state by hundreds thousands of votes, we won every state, and asked, regardless, a claim his senior Justice Department officials previously told him was false, including as recently as the night before. What about 205,000 votes more in Pennsylvania than voters? The defendant in co-conspirator two then asked the VP to either unilaterally reject the legitimate electors from the seven targeted states or send the question of which slate was legitimate to the targeted states' legislatures. When the VP challenged co-conspirator two on whether the proposal to return the question to the states was defensible, co-conspirator two responded, well, nobody's tested it before. The VP then told the defendant, did you hear that? Even your own counsel is not saying I have the authority. The defendant responded, that's okay. I prefer the other suggestion of the vice president rejecting the electors unilaterally. Also on January 4, when co-conspirator two acknowledged the defendant's senior advisor that no court would support his proposal, the senior advisor told co-conspirator two, you're going to cause riots in the streets. Co-conspirator two responded that there had previously been points in the nation's history where violence was necessary to protest, to protect the Republic. After that conversation, the senior advisor notified the defendant that co-conspirator two had conceded that his plan was not going to work. The day before, unilaterally reject electors from the targeted states. During this meeting, co-conspirator two privately acknowledged to the vice president's counsel that he hoped to prevent judicial review of his proposal because he understood that it would be unanimously rejected by the Supreme Court. The vice president's counsel expressed to co-conspirator two that following through with the proposal will result in a dangerous situation, disastrous situation, where the election might have to be decided in the streets. So they were hoping for riots, right? They were basically hoping that the mob would force the overturn of the election. There's inciting your riot right there. Defense lawyers are likely to cite Mr. Trump's First Amendment rights are obje- and object to Mr. Smith's use of statements that Mr. Trump made in delivering a fiery speech to supporters on January 6th, just before the riot. Prosecutors characterize his words as integral to his criminal plans. So once again, they're building this case of everything leading up to that moment, which caused January 6th. Okay. That moment, which caused what happened on January 6th, that all this was his plan. This was his last ditch effort, basically, right? To get the election overturned. The defendant made multiple knowingly false statements integral to his criminal plans to defeat government function, obstruct the certification, and interfere with others' right to vote and have their votes counted. The defendant repeated false claims of election fraud, gave false hope that the vice president might change the election outcome, and directed the crowd in front of him to go to the Capitol as a means to obstruct the certification and pressure Pence to fraudulently obstruct the certification. The defendant knowingly, knowingly false statements for these purposes included 
The defendant falsely claimed that based on fraud, the VP could alter the outcome of the election results, stating, I hope Mike's going to do the right thing. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. All he has to do, all this is, is from the number one or certainly one of the top constitutional lawyers in our country. He has the absolute right to do. We're supposed to protect our country, support our country, support our constitution and protect our constitution. States want to revote. The states got defrauded. They were given false information. They voted on it. Now they want to recertify. They want it back. All Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify and we become president and you are the happiest people. What a fucking idiot. We become president and you're the happiest people. If the defendant falsely stated that the Pennsylvania legislature wanted to recertify their votes, they want to recertify. But the only way that it can happen is if Mike Pence agrees to send it back. The crowd began to chant, send it back, send it back, send it back. The defendant also said that regular rules no longer will apply, stating, and fraud breaks everything up, doesn't it? When you catch somebody in a fraud, you're allowed to go by very different rules. Finally, after exhorting that we fight, we fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. The defendant directed the people in front of him to head to the Capitol, suggested he was going with them, which, of course, he never did because he's a pussy, and told them to give members of Congress the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. By the way, in this, uh, he's a pussy. I added that. Mr. Smith didn't put that in there. But of course, he's a pussy, right? Another lie he told to his cult members. During and after the defendant's remarks, thousands of people marched towards the Capitol. And we all know what happened after that, right? But also there's more to this, which is about what happened during the riots. The indictment highlights that Mr. Trump's initial refusal to urge the rioters to leave the Capitol and how he instead posted a tweet further stoking anger at the vice president. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, what are these people doing? They're crazy. Leave, leave now. Stop. He instead stoked the anger even more at Pence, saying Pence didn't do the right thing. The two tweets were at 2.38 p.m., Instead, well, this is the defendant repeatedly refused to approve a message directing the rioters to leave the Capitol as urged by his most senior advisors, including the White House counsel, a deputy White House counsel, the chief of staff, a deputy chief of staff and a senior advisor. In fact, we also heard Don Trump Jr. had said something. Instead, the defendant issued two tweets that did not ask rioters to leave the Capitol, but instead falsely suggested that the crowd at the Capitol is being peaceful, including... At 2.30 p.m., please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. But it wasn't being peaceful. At 3.30 p.m., I'm asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and order, our great men and women in blue. Thank you. At 3 p.m., the defendant had a phone call with the minority leader of the United States House of Representatives. The defendant told the minority leader that the crowd at the Capitol was more upset about the election than the minority leader was. So those two tweets, by the way, are just like what pro pro forma stuff he was putting out there, knowing it wouldn't mean anything because everything had already gone too far. So at 238, long after things were no longer peaceful, he says, stay peaceful as though it's being peaceful. Right. And then at 330 p.m., he said he's saying stay peaceful, no violence after all the violence had already happened. 
Remember, we are the party of law and order. Thank you very much. So this is like after someone, you know, murders somebody, sending out a tweet saying, please don't murder anybody. When you know they've already murdered somebody, you're just trying to put something on record. What do you call it? By them, go by the motion, the, um, yeah, by the motions, by the, what am I looking for? Uh, yeah, just go through the motions, going through the motions to make it look like you give a shit when basically you like what's happening and you want more of it. At 4.17 p.m., the defendant released a video message on Twitter that he had just taped in the White House Rose Garden. We all remember that. In it, the defendant repeatedly that knowingly false claim that we had an election that was stolen from us and finally asked individuals to leave the Capitol, telling them they were very special and that we love you. After the 4.17 p.m. tweet, the defendant joined others in the outer Oval Office to watch the attack on the Capitol on television. The defendant said, see, this is what happens when they try to steal an election. These people are angry. These people are really angry about it. This is what happens. At 6.01 p.m., the defendant tweeted, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. So basically he was championing what had happened that day. Basically, he got what he wanted. When someone says that, when something bad happens and they say, well, this is you got you get what you deserve. They're happy that you got it. On the evening of January 6th, the defendant and co-conspirators are one attempted to exploit the violence and chaos, the Capitol, by calling lawmakers to convince them based on knowingly false claims of election fraud to delay the certification, including the defendant through the White House aides attempted to reach two United States senators at 6 p.m. From 6.59 p.m. until 7.18 p.m., co-conspirator one placed calls to five U.S. senators and one U.S. representative. Co-conspirator six attempted to confirm phone numbers for six U.S. senators whom the defendant had directed co-conspirator one to call and attempt to enlist in further delaying the certification. In one of those calls, co-conspirator one, we believe that's Giuliani, remember, left a voicemail intended for a United States senator that said, we need you, our Republican friends, to just try to just slow it down so we can get these legislators to get more information to you. I know they're reconvening at eight tonight. But the only strategy we follow is to object to numerous states and raise issues so that we get ourselves into tomorrow, ideally until the end of tomorrow. In another message intended for another U.S. senator, co-conspirator one repeatedly knowingly false, al- repeated knowingly false allegations of election fraud, including that the vote counts certified by the states to Congress were incorrect and that the governors who had certified knew they were incorrect, that illegal immigrants had voted in substantial numbers in Arizona, and that Georgia gave you a number in which 65,000 people who were underage voted. Co-conspirator one also claimed that the vice president's actions had been surprising and asked the senator to object to every state and kind of spread this out a little like a filibuster. This goes on and on. Uh, (laughs) There's no a conviction on this charge. And they go through the counts. Here's another charge. Okay, Would. Be punishable by up to 20 years in prison. 
is closely related to the next charge. Essentially, the accusation is that Mr. Trump and other others agreed to commit the underlying crime of trying to disrupt the session of Congress that certified Mr. Biden's electoral college victory. The indictment highlights that Mr. Eastman acknowledged that he was asking Mr. Pence to break the law. All these people are going to testify against Trump to save their asses, including the co-conspirators one through six, including co-conspirator one, Rudy Giuliani. So we're seeing up to five years, up to five years, up to 20 years. (laughs) It's just one after the other. Now, normal person would be like, oh, shit, I got to take this seriously. These federal charges, I have to take this seriously. I need to put all my efforts into defeating this. It's extensive. If you read through this, if you're not a Trump cultist, if you're not a Trump ass kisser, um, if you're not a grifter, and we'll get into that in a second, to the Trump grifters, and you read through this, you know he's in trouble. They had a lot of, they have a lot of evidence on him and a lot of people who are willing to testify <clears throat> against him. It goes deep, it goes wide, and he's not going to be able to get away from it. Well, like I said, you don't have one person who seems to be able to say, take this stuff seriously, sir. You're going to go to jail, sir. This is not a game, sir. This is not a reality show. And nobody is willing to do this. Or, you know, maybe they have. And he just doesn't listen. Maybe someone has the guts to go up to him and say, drop out of the stupid fucking election and concentrate on staying out of jail so you don't die in jail at 90 years old. That's exactly how I'd put it to him. No, instead, we have grifters like Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, this is a major grifter. This is a grifter of the highest order. And I say that because he's very good at it. He's a great grifter. He's a he's a fast-talking car, car salesman. Every time... I see Vivek Ramaswamy on television. There should be an image. You know those little pop-up things with the arms that wave at the car dealerships, those pop-up creatures? They should have that every time he speaks because that's what he is. He's basically a used car salesman. But what he's selling isn't used cars. He's selling himself. He knows that Trump is going to have to drop out of this. He knows it. Trump is broke, okay? He has no money. All of his campaign contributions which aren't even really coming in anymore because most people with a brain are then his, you know, the the uh, the big money people with brains. Money, you know, you're spending a lot of money. You're going to think about giving it to someone who's just using it for his defense fund. His cultists who give five, ten, fifteen dollars, they'll continue to give him money and they'll happily give him money, even knowing that it's going to his defense fund. These people are so they're such fucking cucks that they will actually give the money they don't have. So he can defend himself. But the big money people that he needs are not going to give him money anymore. So his money's drying out. They just put up a chart which showed like Nikki Haley is closer now to his money raised Trump than Trump is to DeSantis's money, which is like two to three times as much as Trump has raised. So Trump's going broke, which each indictment 
with each charge, it's millions of dollars more to lawyers to keep his ass out of jail. So he's broke. He's not going to be able to make it to the finish line, which is why he's asking people to drop out. Demanding. I demand you drop out because he's going to have to drop out. And that's what Ron DeSantis knows. He'll just outlast him. So Vivek Ramaswamy, being the grifter of grifters, knows that Trump is going to have to drop out. So let's 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 paint this picture. Trump drops out, whether it's next week, next month or three months from now. Where those votes go? Well, we can't assume they're going to go to Ron DeSantis because these people seem to hate Ron DeSantis so much, even though they've loved him for the last four years. So what are we seeing? We're seeing Trump people. We're seeing the Trump cult. We're seeing pro-Trump talking heads in the media, always talking up Vivek Ramaswamy. And Vivek Ramaswamy, as he did today, right away, right away, this grifter came out and defended Trump and said this was all, you know, weaponization of the Department of Justice. Which, in turn, has made Trump grifters, Trump cultists on social media say, Vivek's the number two guy. You see? That's the whole plan Vivek Ramaswamy has. And these people are either a part of it or too dumb to see it. But Vivek, when Trump drops out, wants his endorsement and or his cult. He wants a transference of the cult from Trump to him. This is a tip of, this is a low, I knew, I knew, even though I agree with the guy in a lot of things politically, I knew there was something I didn't like about him from day one, even before, I mean, years before he decided to run for president. I've been seeing him talk and there was something I didn't like about him. He is a greasy, low life, used car salesman, grifter. He is the slime ball of slime balls. He might be even slimier than Trump because he wants Trump seconds. So he's rimming, he's rimming Trump's ass. So Trump endorses him and his cult transfers to him. That's what he wants. So he's using Trump and the Trump cult, which of course is easy to use. They're easy to manipulate, especially from a, a fast talking used car salesman like Ramaswamy. I knew right away, why is this guy who has no political experience running for president this year? Why wouldn't he run for Congress? Hey, run for Senate. Hey, run for governor. Why run for president? Not having any political experience because he saw, because this is what sociopaths are able to do. He saw that Trump would not make it through this. And he wanted Trump's sloppy seconds. How disgusting, how grotesque of an individual this Ramaswamy is. Now, whether it's a grifter like Ramaswamy or a, a cheese ball like Trump, none of this is going to work. DeSantis sees this also. He knew this also going into this. He knows Trump's game. He knows Ramaswamy's game. He gets it. He knows the game that the, the media is playing. And he's on it. But it's still up to people like me and others to call people like Ramaswamy what they are. 
Now, yes, DeSantis has defended Trump on this stuff. Not particularly, you know, forceful. But he has come out and made statements saying that this is a weaponization of the Department of Justice and I will end the weaponization of the Department of Justice. If I were him, I'd stop talking about Trump totally. I would stop talking uh, talking about Trump totally. I wouldn't even concentrate on anything. It's obvious the game that's being played with Trump, with Ramaswamy. He needs to do his own thing and just run a campaign and talk about the issues and talk about the issues and meet people and greet people and campaign and continue to raise money and hit the early states and win. That's what he needs to do. Retail politics and win. And not be goaded into constantly defending Trump. Because as we saw early on, even when he put out statements defending Trump, the Trump cult would say, oh, it's not enough. But versus Ramaswamy is really good at it because there's nothing to Ramaswamy. There's no there there. He doesn't he doesn't have he's not the man Ron DeSantis is. He doesn't have the substance Ron DeSantis has. So he doesn't have anything else but to lick Trump's ass and to try to get his endorsement and try to get his cult. That's all he can do. He's a used car salesman. That's what he knows how to do. And so that's his game. And that's why he ran for president this year. Can you absorb what a slimy person that is? What a slimy individual would do something like that? The Mac, in a way, Machiavellian. It's not that Machiavellian because I figured him out, and many people have figured him out, not just me. But the Machiavellian thinking into that—that that I'll run, knowing this, this, this will happen. I'll do this, this, and this, and politically, I'll work my way up the ladder. And it's, 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 it's so disgusting. It's so, it's so revolting. It makes me want to throw up. Now I can't even watch the guy talk anymore. I skeeve him so much. But that's his game. And trust me, he won't win. But that game will play out. Trump will drop out. Vivek will get a lot of his supporters. Trump, Vivek may even get Trump's endorsement. So it'll play out just as Vivek wanted it to. But because DeSantis is so much more of a man than Vivek is. He's so much smarter than Vivek. Because he has so much more substance than Vivek, he'll defeat him. The actual, the real man in this race will win. Yeah, Andrew, you're right. Vivek says some really stupid shit too. Yeah, but you know, when he was talking about COVID and the law, once again, Right. All I have to believe is he says everything he says just for political reasons. Right. Where DeSantis actually believes it and put it into policy. Vivek just says what he says he needs to say to get people to like him at that moment. Right. It's all politics. With Vivek Ramaswamy. It's all politics. And yeah, one of the stupid things he's saying is defending Trump now on this. Obviously, he either hasn't read all this stuff, doesn't care to read all this stuff. It doesn't matter because in his political game, he has to come out and defend Trump no matter what. They could have blood. They could find blood on Trump's hands 
and Vivek needs to come out and defend him because he needs his endorsement and he wants to get his voters once he drops out. And that, that's the funny thing in a way that he's using Trump. Does Trump even real? Probably not. Probably not. Trump is probably too dumb, too much of an oaf to understand what Vivek is doing, that Vivek will basically stabbing him in the back, right? He'll be dancing on his grave. But that was the point of all this. That was the point of all this. That's why Vivek is getting all this positive press, no criticism from the Trump crowd in the media, right? And even the left, because they know he's the far weaker candidate in a general election than Ron DeSantis. That's why you're seeing that. You're seeing Vivek not attacked. DeSantis is being attacked because DeSantis is the real threat. DeSantis is the substantive candidate who can actually win. So that's that's Mr. Ramaswamy, Ramasleazy. And he fools a lot of people. He fools a lot of smart people I know. But I knew from day one. Remember, on this show, I have talked about this, how his fast talking makes me nervous, uncomfortable. How it's like a snake oil salesman, but even more so a used car salesman. We're like, whoa, 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 slow down. Slow down, buddy. Wait a minute. What'd you just say? Just slow down for a second. You're making me nervous. You make me nervous. So, and when he ran on the show, I said, yeah, a lot of policy stuff I agree with. But uh, what's his what's his history in politics? What's his <laughs> how do you go from never being in politics to being president? He looks like he's twenty. I know he's older than that, but I mean, what, what's the deal here? I said, there's, there's no there there, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Once I realized his game, once I realized his game to take votes away from DeSantis, you know, in the early going, it was I thought, okay, he's taking votes away from DeSantis. He wants to get the, the people who were like Trump but not really comfortable with Trump, maybe want someone younger, uh, or he's kissing us to tr- kissing up to Trump to be VP. But no, <laughs> much bigger than that. Much bigger than that. A slime ball like Ramaswamy isn't looking to like just to have a good showing to be VP. He wants to be president. He wants Trump's endorsement and he wants Trump's voters. That's what he wants. And that's what he's doing. So the only question for Donald Trump, the only question is when he's going to drop out, not if he's going to drop out. He's dropping out. But the question now is, when's it going to happen? When is that going to happen? I mean, your guess on that is as good as mine. I don't know. I know he's running out of money. He's going to try to run on these fumes as much as possible. He's, kind of, he's trying to run on nostalgia as much as he can. But it gets to a point. These presidential campaigns are so expensive. Plus all these legal things that they're piling up and piling up and piling up. And eventually he's going to realize he needs to fight this stuff and get out of this. So when is it going to happen? I don't know. There was a time not too long ago where I said Trump would never quit this election. But I've changed my mind on that. 
I've changed my mind on that. Hey, look, it could even be a deal. I, I said Trump doesn't know he's being used by Vivek. That might not be true. He may just want to he may want to stab DeSantis in the back. You know, Trump want, doesn't he'll see anybody but DeSantis win that election. So it's very possible that he's working in cahoots with Vivek, that he's teaming up with Vivek. And he's part of this plan where when he drops out, he'll get Vivek will get all of his supporters. And his endorsement. Because I can't believe that Trump at this point, in those quiet moments, thinks he can continue to become president of the United States. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Once again, I, I really suggest you read these annotated. If, you, if you're a good lawyer, if you're a law expert, read the whole thing yourself. But if you want to go to the New York Times, the Trump January 6th indictment annotated, uh, it really breaks it down and gives you the important parts of the whole thing. But it's it's, it's disastrous. It's absolutely disastrous. There's no, there's no way. I, I don't, I don't know how he beats this. Donald J. Trump did knowingly combine, conspire, confederate, and agree with co-conspirators known and unknown to the grand jury to injure, oppress, threaten, and intimidate one or more persons in the free exercise of enjoy and enjoyment of a right and privilege secured to them by the Constitution and laws of the United States. That is the right to vote and to have one's vote counted in violation of Title 18, United States Code, Section 241, signed Jack Smith. He's done. He's done. It's like dead man walking, right? Well, and there's more to come. This isn't the end of it. Like I said, there's all these different state charges that are going to happen because all these <laughs> conspiracies took place in a half dozen states and all those states are going to file charges. Look, if it's one thing, you know, if it's one thing here, one thing there, you go, okay, it's a, it's a witch hunt. But this is just, <laughs> it's too deep. It's too deep. It's much worse than Watergate. I mean, all the evidence, all the facts, all the co-conspirators, all these people who are willing to testify against him in all these different states from people who are his supporters, not just Democrats, Republicans. Republicans who voted for him, who are going to say, yes, he did this, he did that, he did the other thing. It's really bad news. Really bad news. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm sure there'll be more. Um, oh, here. This is good. This is interesting. Uh, the question's been going around. What if Trump is convicted, right? What if a presidential candidate is convicted? Now, of course, we know that the Democrats have their own uh reasons for this, their own 
plan, right? And the Democrats' plan, I believe, is still to get Trump through the primary, to get him nominated, and then he's got all this stuff. Of course, he loses, or who knows, he has to drop out after he's the nominee. Then Republicans have to scramble. Could be anything, right? It could be that the they want Republicans to have a crazy convention that make them look like lunatics. To So whatever candidate comes out, whether it's DeSantis or Trump or whoever is weak, it could be anything. But the Democrats would love to see Trump. Their plan is to get Trump across the primary finish line, right? I believe their their second choice is is Vivek, obviously. Their, their last choice, all the way down below Christie and Haley, is DeSantis. They don't want him anywhere near the nomination. But they would love to get Trump across the finish line, and then everything falls apart, right? But the question is, what happens... If he's convicted, right? What happens if Trump is convicted? Now, we know that if you're convicted here, you can still run for president. But the the question is, if he's convicted on this January 6th stuff, can he still run for president? If If he's convicted on... The incitement to riot at the at the at a Capitol building at the federal building. Can he? Can Trump run? And if we put this in, unfortunately, the it's the, the it's under a firewall, so I don't know. But um, it often depends on who you talk to. Um, This one, I don't know. I think the first two, the question was yes. The Stormy Daniels thing, the documents thing, that he was convicted, he can still run for president. But this one could be a different story. This one can be a totally different story. Now, also remember this. It, it, it doesn't really matter because... Part of this could be, once again, if if they're willing to accept this, that if he plea bargains, part of the plea bargain is he will no longer ever run for president again, then he's out, right? Even if he can technically run if he was convicted, he doesn't want to be convicted, right? Because he doesn't want to go to jail. So he plea bargains. And one of the things he'll agree with is that he's out. That's it. He doesn't run for president again. Um, but, you know, shouldn't this change? Think about it. Because if you're a convict, if you're a felon, you can't vote for president. You can't vote at all. So you're a felon and you can't vote, yet you can run for president. (laughs) You're a convicted felon. You can't vote. You can't vote. But yet you can run for president. Doesn't make any sense. Really. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they never even thought about this, right? They've never envisioned someone like like Trump. I don't know what it is. You know, really. Um, you see, in the wake of the January 6th Capitol attack, House Democrats introduced a bill seeking to bar Trump from holding office again by invoking the 14th Amendment, which bars anyone who's engaged in insurrection or rebellion or giving aid or comfort to enemies of the U.S. having taken to support the oath to, to support the Constitution, the bill never made of the House before Republicans took control 
in, in January. But does that 14th Amendment, does that 14th Amendment say that if he's convicted on these charges, the January 6th stuff, that he can't run again? I think all of this is going to be moot. It really is. It's all going to be moot because he can't win. And if there's some kind of a plea bargain, part of the deal would be that he's not going to run. But once again, that's the Democrats' hopes, right? Is that, first of all, isn't the the first trial going to start like in May or June of next year? So it's likely the primary will be over by then. So Democrats know what they're doing. They want him to win the primary and then have to deal with all of this. Yeah, if you're convicted of a felony and incarcerated, you can't vote, but you can win the election. The point is there were meant to be very few qualifications and it was meant to be left to the voters or the state. So one of the weird things about this country, one of the weird things about this country, I think it should be the opposite, right? If you're convicted of a felony, you shouldn't be able to become president, but you should be able to vote in an election. But we have it. It's the opposite. It's all ass backwards in this country. There's something else I wanted to go over. So we have the indictment. We got uh, awful, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, You know, a lot of people on Twitter, I, I make it sound bad, but a lot of people on Twitter get it, right? Right, that they're tired of Trump. They're tired of this drama. The the country doesn't want. They don't want the. Remember the drama that came with the first four years, which is which is nothing compared to the drama that would come <laughs> with another four years. It, it's like people don't want that. That's one. Even normal drama. Forget about indictments. Forget about indictments. No, people got heartburn from the Trump drama. The Trump drama of the first four years, and there were no indictments. Right? There were no felonies. There were no convictions. That's the last thing people want to deal with. People in this country want answers to real problems. And they're not going to get it if Trump, which is not going to happen, but they're not going to get it with another Trump presidency. They're going to get more and more heartache and drama. So a lot of people on Twitter get that. They're like, we don't want this anymore. We don't want to deal with it anymore. We're over it. We're totally over this guy. The question is, what makes people in this country, some people, a good number of people need this in their lives. There are some people who just seem to need this in their lives. I don't really get it. I understand a lot of people's lives are empty in this country. They're very, they're, 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 they could be devoid of anything, devoid of relationships, devoid of jobs, devoid of anything to uh, really give them a, a reason to live day to day. So they connect to these things, right? They connect to these things. 
I always thought it was weird. My grandmother was so into soap operas, right, that she would talk about the people in the soap opera as though they were relatives or friends. I thought I found it very odd. Um, but those were the the draw of soap operas, right? If you if you if you don't want to watch a soap opera, never watch a soap opera because they 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 grab you and they get you right away, right? You get addicted to it. That's what they do. But to have this real life reality soap opera going on all the time, I don't get it. I understand for news networks. I understand news networks. It's ratings. They'll get ratings from this. He Trump gets ratings, which equals money. That I get easily. So I understand the media. But I don't understand the average American and why they would need someone like Trump in their life. I don't get it. But for millions of people, that is the case. Their lives are so empty that they need this. They need it. No matter how much information comes out, all right? This reminds me of the left. This, and, this is, and this is the right. These are opposite people. It reminds me of the left with COVID. No matter how much information comes out about masks, about this, and they're still talking about masks now and all and vaccines, they didn't care. They had their narrative. And these are people who are the opposite. They, are, they got COVID. I mean, they got, well, they got COVID, but they understood that all those mandates were bullshit. But they seem to not be able to understand what a cheap shyster people like Ramaswamy and Trump are, right? These shysters, they only care about themselves. They're looking out for themselves and their own personal interests their own personal empires, their own personal desires and needs, not yours, not the people, but they just can't seem to see that no matter how much information comes out that proves that, no matter how much evidence comes out and proves that, they just can't seem, they, they, they can't seem to understand that. I mean, someone brought up the fact that in 2016, Trump said he'd personally finance his campaign. Remember that lie? And now he's saying he'll use his campaign donations for personal expenses. <laughs> so a big change in seven years, right? Or the fact that Hillary, I mean, a lot of what you see from the Trump cult is that you know, DeSantis is disloyal. You should allow Trump to be president. Well, that was the exact argument they had against Hillary. The Hillary said it was her time. Remember, it was her time. The Hillary supporters said, oh, it's her time. And the Trump people said, no, 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 she has to earn it. Well, now she had to earn it, but Trump doesn't. Or wait a minute, that Biden hiding in his basement and not uh, debating. That was a flaw. That was a problem that showed he was a pussy and a wimp. But Trump can do that. He can hide, barely campaign and not participate in any debates. He's allowed to, you see, because he's the he's the cult leader. It's the sickness goes deep, wide, immense sickness that people can't see the hypocrisy in their thinking, the obvious hypocrisy in front of them. I see there's some chat going in the chat here. There's some talk about um, Ukraine. Um, yeah, well, we'll talk about Ukraine some other time. But... I think that uh, it's uh, it's very sad. It's very sad, the state we're in right now. It's very sad. I know things can get a lot better if uh, 
when, when, when Ron DeSantis wins the presidency. But there's a, a psyche in this country. Something's broken. Psychologically, some, there's a fissure here in this country. And we need to figure it out because this will all happen again. There'll be another cult leader right down the line. There'll be another cult leader who sees that this stuff can work, that you can get a lot of years out of this. A lot of support, a lot of power, a lot of money, a lot of influence. So let's see. Andrew, he's not going to make it to the primaries. I'm telling you, Trump is not going to make it to the primaries, to the voting. He doesn't have the money. It's not going to work. On top of that, as these legal issues pile up, it's just going to be uh, all-consuming. And he's not going to be able to do it. You need money. Like I said, he can only go on his name so long. And there are a lot of people out there who are have changed. A lot of people out there who were former Trump supporters, who are now DeSantis supporters. There are a lot of people who have gotten tired of his shit, who are over this, who can't take it anymore, who are done with it. People who not just voted for him, but like really loved him. Who thought he was the, you know, be all and end all. And now they've abandoned him because of all this. It's one thing after another. It's one thing after another with Trump. And so with each of these things that happen, you know, he, he loses people. People say enough is enough. Yeah, there are people who dig in their heels. There'll always be those people. But the big money donors, which you need to make it through a presidential election, are not putting their money on. These aren't dumb people. These are wealthy people for a reason. They don't throw bad money at bad money. They don't throw money out the window. And they get it. And his money's drying up. His supply is drying up. And what will happen is, as I've said, he will drop out and Vivek will try to get his supporters. Which is what he's been trying to do all along. And then we'll have a race between Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. And that'll play out with Ron DeSantis winning the primary and becoming president. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll talk about Ukraine. There's no doubt about it. We'll talk about Ukraine at some point, probably later in the week. <sighs> the never-ending Ukrainian saga. Never-ending Ukrainian saga. All right. Is there anything else I wanted to... Uh, let's see. Bring up to no. I think that's it. I mean, that was the big news of the day, right? Basically. So, all right. The name of this show is "And Let's Be Heard," and it airs weeknights, eleven p.m. Pacific, two a.m. Eastern. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday night is a is a play it by ear kind of night because I'm going I'm going to San Francisco Giants baseball game. So we'll see. You know, baseball games have been going shorter than ever before. So hopefully, yeah, nice. I know it's, it's my first game of the year, uh, Giants game going to. So it depends on how long it goes. You never know, right? But these games have been going pretty short. So if, if, if things on time, then I'll probably be here if, if something happens. And 
it goes longer. I get too drunk. No, just kidding. I don't, I don't. The drinks are like, come on, beers are like $12 a pop at these games, right? Like $12.30. It's ridiculous. Do you know a pizza pie at the Giants game is like $75? A pizza pie, a cheese pie at a Giants game is like 75 bucks. What does that say? If you get too drunk, I have to do the show? Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe these days, Andrew, I think these days maybe I need to be drunk. I should drink a little bit before the show. I have an energy drink, but that's not really the same thing. I need to drink whiskey and do the show. Anyway, so we'll see. Tomorrow will play by ear, but, I'll, you know, I'll try to be here. If not, then Thursday. But the show normally airs. Weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. And until the next time we meet, until we meet again, this is Micah Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>